Good evening, world, and welcome to another episode of A24 on the Rocks, where the takes are hot and the beverages are ice cold. I'm your host for this evening's affair, Kevin K. Konkonacek, and tonight we take the next step in our adventure through the entirety of the A24 library. Tonight we review A24's fourth film, Sofia Coppola's 2013 crime drama based on actual events, The Bling Ring. And as we do every week on this show, I'm drinking a glass of Old Forester Kentucky bourbon. And it is smooth and delicious. Joining me on the cinematic journey tonight, we have... My name's Eric Kiska, and I'm drinking a water on the rocks because I've been drinking a little bit too much of uh, Daddy's cough medicine lately. Up next, we have... This is Kelly. How's it going, everyone? Tonight, I'm drinking cherry Coke out of a beautiful goblet. Uh, hey, my name is Blaze Fitzgerald Ryan the first. Uh, tonight I am drinking bullet bourbon just because I think there's a negative connotation or there's going to be about what I drink usually. So uh, I do make money. Uh, I'm wearing the headband today because Cole is out um, nursing a sore vagina. So in his place, we're going to have. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lamb and I'm replacing Cole because he's out with his sore vagina and I'm drinking a Bud Light. <laughs> Let's get the show on the road, or in this case, the movie on the reel. The Bling Ring is the fifth release from the brilliant and creative mind of writer and producer Sofia Coppola, who also wrote and directed the 2003 critically acclaimed film Lost in Translation. She is the daughter of famed director and producer Francis Ford Coppola. The Bling Ring features a cast led by Katie Chang, Israel Broussard, Emma Watson, Thaisa Farmiga, and Claire Julian. It is based on the 2010 Vanity Fair article, The Suspects Wore Louis Batons, by Nancy Jo Sales, which dealt with the real-life gang known as the Bling Ring. The story follows a group of fame-obsessed teenagers who use the internet to track celebrities' whereabouts in order to burgle their homes. The Bling Ring had its world premiere on May 16, 2013 in the United States. It had a limited theatrical release by A24 before opening worldwide a week later. It received mixed to positive reviews from critics, with many praising the cast and Coppola's stylish, in quotes, direction. Watson in particular received critical acclaim for her performance. However, others criticized the film for, and I quote, its shallow and morally ambiguous approach towards the subject matter. And that, my friends, is the reason that we are here. To discuss, to debate, to break down, analyze, and bring to light the finer points of this film, but also to discuss some opportunities that we felt the film had and to ultimately create a recommendation and rating for you, the listeners. So, my friends, and those of that have watched this movie uh, previous to this, welcome, welcome to the discussion. The first question that I have for all of you kind of comes around the idea of this being a movie based on true events. Was, knowing that this movie based off of true events, did it change your perspective of the film as you viewed it, and will it affect the way you review and or rate it? Eric, why don't you start us? Yeah, um, 
I definitely think it did because I actually looked at the actual bling ring in real life and they were a lot more haggard looking. Um, some of them were even addicted to heroin. They like were definitely not these Hollywood versions of what they were in the film. And I actually think it would have been a lot more effective to make them more haggard and more like they were in real life. And if you look at like pictures of all of them in real life, the actors don't look anything like them either. And that goes also right down to uh, Emma Watson's like horrible Valley Girl uh, accent, and it that was just really cringy to hear. And yeah, it it definitely affected it because I think I would have liked a more realistic portrayal of all of them. Kelly, same question. Did knowing that this was all real change the way you viewed this film? So if anyone didn't know already, Eric and I watch all these movies together. And we got through <laughs> about... my life! <laughs> we got through about maybe 40 minutes of it, and Eric says, it's kind of crazy how this is a real story. And I didn't know that going in until he mentioned that. And I was like, oh, okay. Because it is pretty fantastical, and it is interesting what kind of crazy stuff all these kids are getting into. Uh... But had I not known that, I would have been confused about the end because it kind of turns more like true crimey by the end of it. But so I had that interesting perspective where it kind of shifted halfway through. So I thought like the actor choice was interesting and everything. And I was like, it's just like a fantastical story and then changed for me. Um, so that's that was my perspective. <laughs> cool. Lamb, Lamb, what do you think? I, I did have the knowledge this was like a thing that happened, but only because I think I was on Twitter at the time. And this was such a weirdly, like a weirdly cool story that I'm so glad we got a movie about. Um, I think that, I guess Eric was speaking about the casting of the characters and I didn't realize that they looked all that different, but it definitely makes some of the scenes seem more understandable knowing that it's meant to be that the, the people in the film are meant to be portrayed by real people and not actors because they all sort of had a sense of I need to fit in, which is how normal people feel, but not if you're a popular actor. It's tough to feel like that, you know? But I, yeah, I think that even if it was really real, it was such a cool story to tell and be able to watch, you know, from that dynamic. Cool. Blaze, anything you want to add? Yeah, um, kind of to uh, piggyback on what Eric and Lamb were saying, and to a point, uh, Kelly, um, I think the premise for the movie is a really cool idea, especially because it is based in true events. It's nothing, it's no, it's crazy knowing that like there is some reality to all of this, you know, whether it's the breaking into Paris Hilton's house, you know, how they, you know, got up to the ideas, you know, I thought that was an interesting way to, um, uh, go about a film, I guess, uh, you know, based on the story that it's telling. And then, again, to Eric's point, it's, it's, it got totally brought back down to earth by Emma Watson every time she talked. It, like, was, like, screws <laughs> in my head. It was terrible. I totally Fair. miscast, and I think I agree with all of them saying um, if they would have put, like, more homely people, uh, I think it would have worked a lot better from a, a character standpoint. Go ahead, Lim. One of the things I loved about being able to watch Emma Watson's character is I thought it was so funny for her to play that particular character. And I did think she did a really phenomenal job on it. One of our opening scenes is her doing a monologue and she's like, I'm so offended that such a thing would happen to me. And I was like, I immediately get what this girl's about. So I think at least her portrayal of the character was excellent. Uh, I wanted to add one more thing. So all this uh, took place 
between 2008 and 2009, October 2008 and 2009 to be specific, there's several songs on here that aren't from that time period, too. There's Crown on the Ground by Sleigh Bells, which is 2010. Uh, that started it out. Kanye West, Power, 2010. Sunshine, M.I.A., 2011. M.I.A., Bad Girls, 2012. Zelia Banks, 212. Uh, it came out in 2012. I actually kind of, like, wish they stuck to very time-specific songs. I think it would have been kind of cool to, like, literally put us in that time frame. Right. Well, I guess, and that's the discussion, whether or not this was a, you know, a realistic documentation of what happened or a commentary piece based on celebrity obsession and all that. But I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. For our listeners who are not familiar with the film, um, the basic rundown is as follows. Katie Chang and Israel Broussard star as the Ring's leaders, Rachel Lee and Frank Prugo, here renamed Rebecca Ann and Mark Hall. Rebecca and Mark meet in an alternative high school in Calabasas, California, and soon become close friends. Thrill-seeking petty thefts lead to burglaries and joyrides. At first, they steal from neighbors and acquaintances, but soon begin to target celebrities, including Orlando Bloom, Lindsay Lohan, Rachel Bilson, and Paris Hilton, whose house they are able to burglarize repeatedly without being noticed. Scouring gossip blogs for information, they wait until their targets are out of town to strike. And from there, their gang expands to include Chloe and Sam and Nikki, played by what we just discussed, Emma Watson, which is the group's most notorious member, uh, real-life Alexis Nyers, with the fame of the reality show and many other things to follow. The movie's structure from there is relatively formulaic. The kids party, rob, use the money from heists for drugs, alcohol, and more partying, rinse and repeat over and over until they eventually get caught. Loose lips sink ships, as the old saying goes. And in the end, the group stole over $3 million in designer clothes, shoes, watches, cash, and jewelry. That's right, $3 million. And, spoiler alert, there are consequences <laughs> for your actions. Several members of the Bling Ring were handed down jail sentences, including four years for the ringleader, Rachel Lee, who got out on parole after about a year and a half. Go figure. <laughs> so that's the background on the real life, plus a little bit of the movie. But back into questions related to the film itself. Kelly, how did this film make you feel overall as it progressed from start, kind of as it made its way through the middle into the climax? It was just like um, a fine movie. Like you're just kind of following along, like okay, what happens next? Oh, interesting. Here's a giggle. There's a giggle. I th definitely thought there were artistic bits of it, specifically the scene when they—I don't remember whose house—but it's all shot from like far away, and it's Audrey all glass walls. House. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yep. Like, that was an uh, extremely well-shot scene. I like that the pressure of each heist both increases and decreases per each character, and they kind of take some time to show that. And the other thing I found interesting about this movie, other than the music that was not in the right time frame, was there was a lot of times where there was absolutely no music at all, and it was just silent background. Um, and I think that kind of gave you a sense of unease when they were feeling safe. And I thought that that was a really interesting choice as well. Blaze, how did you feel as the the climax of the movie kind of moved towards its you know obvious ending, especially knowing already what the story was going to be like? Well, I think it was an interesting way that the movie climax, I guess you could say, it kind of turned it from like, I think as Kelly said, um, it was like this kind of like, fantastical almost romantical adventure of like these you know teenage kids who you know robbed houses and got to reap all the riches from it 
And then it kind of like immediately turned into like almost like a mockumentary of, um, you know, how all these people got caught. I think the uh, the ringleader, like, Rebecca. Yes, Rebecca. I'm sorry. Rebecca. Uh, she went to her dad's house and it kind of like the movie almost like it was a tonal shift, which was kind of it was unexpected. And I don't know how it landed for me personally, but it definitely um subverse me from like how the story was going but you know i remember like again not to get into too detail of the story itself but you know they would pawn off the stuff that they stole and then you know there was cocaine and bottle service scenes and stuff like that it was like slow motion and you know there's the actual paris hilton in the club and then it just kind of turns into the this you know courtroom drama but not really because they didn't really show much of the court and that but they all Go out and like you know I don't know it didn't land well for me to be honest. That's that's fair and I guess that's why we we have these discussions because we want to you know the kind of the feedback. What about you, Eric? Was there any feelings involved while watching this movie? You know, okay, I did not like uh, the panning back and forth from the future to the past. I actually would have liked it to kind of progress in real time. I think it would have been more effective. Yeah, please. Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I I think uh, the beginning of the movie I think it totally flop because they showed like the ending first when it really didn't have to show its hand like that uh but yeah. go on yeah that's it's... yeah and i also wish it would have been a lot more stylized i actually think that the like camera whatever camera they were using it looked kind of cheap almost like a tv movie and this is a film about like hollywood celebrities uh riches uh i wish it was actually like a little more upscale like the production and I yeah I wish that they didn't make this film look more like an indie art house film that I might have watched on HBO. Lamb, for you, did the emotion that you felt at the beginning of the movie reflect the way you felt at the end? In the beginning of the movie, I was so delighted to have uh, a genuine story of like somebody finding friends, and then it immediately involved crime, which made me certainly very anxious. So I did enjoy the. F- beginning half of the movie much more in the later half we spoke about the tone the movie set as well with music and i wanted to add in i don't know if anybody else caught this but because i didn't watch it in a theater and i watched it like in a format where i was able to skip it i skipped over a lot of like 90 second scenes where they had just licensed music and i felt like that was almost a crutch on the movie too because I sat and I did enjoy the the song selection. One of the things I thought I was like, I do like all the songs they've selected. They've selected a long portion of each song. And I felt like as it got later on, a lot of the film had to fluff with like 60 or 90 or 120 seconds of just establishing that characters are living in the world that they live in. <laughs> and I feel like that really took me out of the movie towards the end, you know? Sure. I do appreciate that you mentioned the idea that the movie opens up with almost this um showing Nick Prugo's character as as this new kid in school, right? The the emotions of the, being empathetic with this new guy trying to make friends, immediately the hot girl leads him astray and shatters his innocence and now everything's back to square one. And I I also felt that the same way. Like we had this this moment of, "Oh, we can empathize with this guy." And nope, he's just an asshole just like the rest of them. I was going to save the next question for later, but we've been dis- discussing music already at nauseam at the beginning of this pod and i think it's really important because i too as as a musical guy really kind of honed in on some of these musical things and i specifically want to talk about that opener and the use of crown in the ground by sleigh bells as the hook as the thing that the trailer grabs onto 
and as really kind of the the vehicle that starts the mode of this entire movie. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with that song, in my personal opinion, it's the song that always makes me think that my speakers are blown out because it's <laughs> just so distorted and ridiculous. It's not a bad song. I do enjoy it. I think it has, you know, you know, it jams out. You could turn it up and have a great time with it, and it brings up a certain emotion. But did anyone else have a strong opinion uh, about that use of that song, particularly the opener? Go ahead, Lim. I thought that was such an excellent choice for a song with Crown on the Ground. I'm most familiar with that song because rap artist Childish Gambino has a song where he has an album where he raps over those songs. But the vibe that I liked about it initially is I came into it, I came into this movie and I kind of don't know what's going on. And the first vibe I get is disrespect from Crown on the Ground. And I was so at that point in touch with all of these kids and their thievery. I thought it was such a perfect way to get me to feel empathetic towards the cast of characters doing something that I needed to see was like implicitly wrong, you know? So I thought such an aggressive track was so perfect to start a movie like this. I think that the song choice was great as well. That song is such a like, it's such a violently feminine song. It makes you like all ramped up, but without any of like, it's not like metal. It's so poppy and girly, like to a point that it's aggressive. And I thought that was a great way to open a movie that's mostly young girls doing girl crime. And it got me excited for what was to come next. Now, for those of you that got excited, were you let down by what followed? By followed? Did you feel like the film continued to keep that hype from the opening? Or was it a drop-off as soon as the next scene came along? Uh, yeah, I think um, if there's one theme of these A24 movies that we've seen so far is that... There are spectacular openings, at least eye-opening openings, that make you feel a type of way. And then the movie overall lets you down. Um, I was so much more ready for a more stylistic version of uh, this instead of like how they presented it. Um, I don't want to get away from the music that we're talking about, but like the camera angles, outside of that, uh, as uh, Kelly said, uh, of that heist... Uh, the camera angles were uninspiring um, as a whole, in my opinion. So uh, for it to open up on such a, like, a loud banger of this is the movie, this is what it's going to be, this is the art direction we're going to take it, and then just like, uh, like Lamb said, there was like sections of the movies that didn't really need to go that long or be there or anything like that. So again, a great opening, a hook of an opening, but it kind of just downslope from there, for me at least. Yeah, like I was saying with uh, the music, I didn't like how it was, uh, you know, not in the time period that uh, the actual crimes took place in. I do like uh, how they opened, like, I think the song choice, if it was in that time period, I think I would have liked it. Uh, I, I do think it gives a kind of good intro to the movie, like how fantastical these crimes were, uh, but... At the same time, it the actual like opening the movie was kind of this poorly strung together montage that did not really live up to the song choice to me. Fair enough. I think I want to move on to a little bit of the character development that we saw from the beginning of the movie towards the end uh, and talk a little bit about how we felt the characters progressed throughout the film, whether or not we felt we related to any of them if we thought that the characters themselves were an important focus of the film or more what the characters were doing. 
Um, and I think to order to get to the most bottom of that, we should probably talk about the characters that we enjoyed the most and the characters that we enjoyed the least, you know, from not only the perspective of what we see on the screen, but also how the actors and actresses portrayed them. So I'd like to start this one out by asking Kelly, what character did you enjoy the most um, from their portrayal on screen as well as the actor or actress behind them? Outside of Paris Hilton playing herself? And Cameron Diaz, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> how, how cool of her to do that, and I want to touch on that more later. Uh, my of favorite course. was probably our main guy. Just like uh, Lamb was saying right at the beginning, you can kind of just relate to him. I think it's always a good, it's a trope definitely in movies, but it is because it works to have the outsider join while you, the viewer, join, and you get dropped off into this world together. Um, but you can, like, Israel Broussard is the gym. Thank you. Uh, but you can relate to him, I feel like, right away. He's the one that you enter the world with, for lack of better term. And he has, like, problems that I think that we can, a lot of people can relate to, is the word. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he would, he would be my favorite. The thing is, um, as we've kind of discussed how the movie kind of shifts halfway through, um, his character development just kind of falls into the background, and then we have a different character try to come and take the spotlight a little bit. But first half, he's my fave. Second half, Emma Watson, the one who takes over the spotlight, takes it. And I'm in support of her obnoxious Valley Girl accent as well. Aww. <laughs> so I guess that's a natural segue, unless anyone wants to comment on uh, the portrayal of, of Nick Pruso there. Um, and I guess the only thing I'll comment on that is I did feel like he returned to his innocent natural self kind of at the end uh, as everything was kind of following around him. It felt more just what he was as a person. Um, a fun fact, the real life Nick Pruso was uh, arrested wearing the shirt of Orlando Bloom that he stole during mm-hmm. the entire process. Embarrassing. Eric, you had something to add? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they kind of touch on Nick being a, a gay man in this movie. But I feel they really muted his gayness by very like focusing on being in love with Rachel, and I I don't like when movies do that. Like they mute people's you know like actual sexuality, and then also um, he later was arrested for sexual assault and stalking uh, the actual character in real life. When the when the movie came out, uh, they wouldn't have known that. But I I do feel like. If they spent, you know, 15 to 20 more minutes with this uh, this guy, they probably would have had a much deeper character uh, in the movie. Fair enough. Blaze, go ahead. Uh, yeah, they definitely established that his love for her is only as a sister, like, way in the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't he, know. No, he verbatim says, I loved her. I loved her as like a sister, sister, and that's what made it so complicated. Right. Well, yeah, but like I think he was like on the edge there of both. That's what I I I think he kept on. And and either here nor there. I think that what Eric said at the very end there is incredibly relevant. If they would have spent any more time with the actual human being, I feel like this character would have been a little bit more flushed out. Yeah. But I also think that adds us to another point we'll get to in the end, whether or not this film was truly about the characters themselves or what the actions that were happening and the commentary in relation to L.A. life culture and celebrities and all of that jazz. Anyway, so instead of the characters we enjoyed the most, how about the characters we enjoyed the least? Lamb, who was somebody that you just could not get behind? I think I unfortunately, I think I, I like, I unfortunately liked a bulk of the characters in this. I think for, I don't, I'm not certain I genuinely 
enjoyed a lot of the movie, but I thought at least the characters were all pretty good. I think any of the girls that played Emma Watson's friends were rather lackluster as characters. They felt not fully fleshed out, but I felt like we had a good main character who is at least relatable. We have Rebecca, the other character, who is also at least relatable in a way. And then we have Emma Watson's character as Alexis Nears, who, from my understanding, I think is a cultural like somebody who like within the cultural zeitgeist as well so like it's so i don't think i dislike i guess i just disliked every other character that had no point to be there it's relevant to tell a story but also i don't need the full story all the time because this is certainly based off the work i felt like i always had two or three extra characters you know and i hate to bounce around from question to question here but had anyone had previous viewing experience with alexis nyers our reality show pretty wild the character that emma watson had portrayed I did not, no. no. And, and, yeah, and neither had no. I. Um, and to be fair, I watched the entire movie without having seen an entire clip of Alexis Nyers. I went to YouTube afterwards, and I honestly thought that there was a huge gap between the two. I did not feel that Emma Watson's character captured the absolute insanity that is Alexis Nyers. I mean, we talk about the catch-me-outside girl or whatever these days, like the idea of being famous for the sake of being famous, and this Alexis Nyers was truly what that character was. And earlier in this pod, we've kind of mentioned to and front and how we felt uh, Emma Watson's portrayal was of this entire film. And she was the A-list actor that sold this film as far as trailers are concerned, getting people in the theater and all of those things. So I'm going to pivot the conversation specifically to Emma Watson now. And did she do a good job? Was it something that was memorable from a viewing experience? And was it confusing for a lot of fans only knowing her as Hermione and not anything (laughs) else? And I'll start with Kelly. I think it was the movie in general, and we're kind of touching on this, plays it too safe to really be any of those things. Uh, I think it's just kind of just a safe middle of the ground movie and it's just come see Hermione play a valley girl. Uh, Hearing that she doesn't really act how that actual person that she's portraying acts That's an interesting choice. And I was reading just briefly about Emma Watson playing that role and the actual woman saying that she's never going to see that movie and that they couldn't have picked a worse person to play here. And also Emma Watson said stuff like, I despise that girl, everything about her lifestyle. It's not me. And it's it's interesting that she would then choose. This is the way that I'll portray that character instead. 100%. Eric? Uh, Yeah, I think that... Yeah, her uh, depiction of Nicky Moore did not work for me. There, so I think this is going to be a theme in all my movie reviews. Is I'm a big fan of like character studies and having like layers to characters and really getting deep into the skin of a character. And she did not do that. She was very much just you know there on the surface. When okay, there's much deeper psychological and sociological reasons for why all these characters did these crimes. Uh, and these characters do have like deeper uh neuroses going on and that were not properly portrayed in the film 100 percent. i watched a couple of interviews with alexis nyers after the fact and she talks about how when she was doing her reality show which was previous to these crimes she was talking about being an ungodly amount of drugs smoking oxycontin on Mm -hmm. a regular basis and just doing all of these things which we've touched on already how the portrayal portrayal of these characters is not accurate to what their real life selves were in any stretch of the imagination. Um, And that, I guess, brings me to the next question, is 
is this movie truly a story or is it a long drawn out commentary on the idea of celebrity obsession celebrities in general and what that obsession can look like if taken in the wrong spot go ahead lim that is truth like even though the movie was so lackluster in every other facet, the thing that I enjoyed about it is that I don't think we've had a lot of commentary on celebrity culture within the past however long celebrity culture has been a thing, since celebrities haven't been as easily accessible as we've been. And I'm glad that we got to look at the characters, and when they were explaining sort of like, why would you want to do this thing? They said, I would just, I wanted to be part of the the scene. I wanted to be like, scene with famous people which i think is such a common thing anymore like for youth but that's so strange for anybody to examine on that level but i think it wasn't a story about characters at all it was simply to show the depth of the idea of being delusional to break into a circle of fame and have something in any capacity to be noticed you know and be famous because i think that a lot of people are really seeking that but this shows like the purest desperate form of it but it's such an interesting take on it too you know absolutely blaze you got anything to add on that uh yeah i like uh i like what lamb said a lot about that i think it it didn't meet either of the criteria far enough i don't think it so it wasn't a character study which would have been i think would have been the optimal version of this film uh where we got to like eric said we got to like actually like get an in-depth version of these characters instead of just like kind of like a broad caricature and then it kind of shifted towards the events that happened, but the events that happened weren't like crazy enough as they were crazy enough as a whole, but as individual events, they kind of seemed like the exact same um, break in, just you know, with different stipulations. So they didn't go too far enough one way, they didn't go too far enough another way. So where did it fall? It fell flat for me there in the fact that it didn't go too hard one way or the other as far as you know what it wanted to do. Right, absolutely. Eric, do you feel that at the end of the day this film, you know, kept kept you entertained in that sense? Did it really kind of keep you hooked as it was going through? It kept me entertained, actually, from a base level because I did want to, like, see how they uh, portrayed all of these crimes, and I wanted to see how they portrayed them actually getting captured for all these crimes. But then it kept disappointing me as the movie progressed with how they actually portrayed everything. Fair. Kelly, anything you want to add on that? Uh, It just was, that's what I'm going to go with, is it's just a safe movie, and I don't think it was a boring movie, but I don't, it definitely wasn't an exciting movie. It was just a movie. (laughs) So we've been a little critical here of some of the the elements of the the filming from a creative standpoint, whether it be some of the long shots, whether it be the slow-mo, some of the musical choices, some of the acting choices and things. So I guess that brings me to the question, what did we think of the job that Sofia Coppola did in general as her role as writer and producer? And do you feel that her being the daughter of a Hollywood mogul, someone who was built or born into this life of glitz and glamour, changes how this movie should be digested by the crowd? Someone who's clearly an A-list celebrity writing about celebrity obsession and all of these things, while it is a true story, do you feel that it kind of slants the reality? Eric? I definitely think that that does 
play into her not really, like, actually further exploring these characters. Like, okay, the big question of this film really is why are Americans so obsessed with fame, being popular to the point where we kind of ignore the real problems of, like, day-to-day -day people? Like, wealth and celebrity lifestyle is so glamorized, but it's built on the backs of poor and working-class people. Like, behind every celebrity, there's a slew of unpaid inter interns or interns that are paid horribly. And uh, it's like, I think everyone is kind of trying to stab at their 15 minutes of fame. That's what these kids were doing. They wanted to live in this glamorized celebrity lifestyle. And it, this was kind of reality TV and, you know, internet culture like this. Uh, it was really the start of an Andy Warhol quote, uh, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. It's like, if you do something ridiculous enough, you might be able to get famous. And they wanted to live the lives of these celebrities, and they did something so, you know, ridiculous and criminal that they they did get their 15 minutes of fame. And like they, uh, I think Mark said at the end, you know, people are so obsessed with this Bonnie and Clyde culture. Um, and I feel like all these themes, they were, they were there. She touched on them a little bit, but she did not go deeper there, you know, and she didn't really fully explore, like how deep and uh, psychological and sociological all of these themes really are. And I, I think that it's because she is a celebrity herself, and she probably doesn't really think uh, like that, like pe normal people like us think, uh, working class people, about those themes, you know? Absolutely. Lamb, do you feel that her being an A-list celebrity really taints the fact that this movie's coming from her? I think that... Well, I guess perhaps it all, I guess it all depends on how you want to, how we want to consume the movie, right? Because at one point we all have like you and I and everybody else, like a majority of anybody has to live in a world where they're relatively not famous and have a level of anonymity and have being able to experience the flip side of that through film is cool, but not in a way where I need to watch Shia LaBeouf say that he's not famous anymore and have that be like a popularized <laughs> thing. It's just very subtle yeah. and there's a celebrity attached to it and I get to see kind of what that's like from that perspective. So I think that's neat. I think it's a neat dynamic of it, but also sometimes feels not very grounded, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Uh, Blaze, do you feel like this was a direct commentary on, I know we talked about whether it's a commentary in general, but specifically, is it about a criticism of the celebrities themselves for having homes too big and collections of clothes so big that they don't notice that someone's stealing from them on multiple occasions? Or is this a commentary on the actual kids themselves stealing things for the sake of stealing things because they want to feel rich and famous for 15 minutes? Um, that's a really good question. I, I think it's probably a duality. I think it's a little bit of both. I do think, um, as you guys said, you know, celebrities, they, uh, they are built up on the, the poorer people. And, you know, someone has to make those clothes. Someone has to do that jewelry. Someone has to do this, this, and this. And the fact that they got away with it for so long makes you think, well, you know, Paris Hilton doesn't notice if she loses $900,000 worth of, you know, clothes and jewelry. So I do think there's a commentary on that. And then I think there's a commentary not only on kids. I think uh, it's very important that the high school that they went to, they went to a high school for dropouts. They went to a high school for, you know, the misbehaved. So I do think, um, and again, you 
asked about our favorite and least favorite character. Mine was tied uh, as Leslie Mann is the mom because I think she is the perfect embodiment of terrible Hollywood mothers, right? <laughs> I think she played her job so well. Um, like I said, I did, after the movie, I did watch the first episode of the reality TV show, and it is verbatim. She gets her kids in lines and says, Adderall, Adderall time, you know, like they're a bunch <laughs> of puppies. And so I think um, there's a responsibility. I mean, she's the one that really sticks out. I'm sure the other parents uh, weren't, you know, peaches. Uh, but she's the one that sticks out as, you know, enablers for these kids. So I think uh, as someone who loves Sofia Coppola, even though this isn't my favorite movie by her, um, I do think that is one of the points that she's trying to make is that we, uh, God, I hate to, because I said this in Spring Breakers, but like this vapid world that we live in of, you know, me, me, me culture, as, you know, we were, as Eric said, 15 minutes of fame, you know, I think it's a, a commentary on that in, <laughs> in that parents let these kids get away with their 15 minutes of fame. So I do think, uh, to answer your question, it's both sides. I do think we're talking about both how overprivileged celebrities are and how overprivileged children are. Excellent. Well Kelly, relatively same question. Um, do you feel that the directorial intent of this was to examine celebrities or examine the people that obsess over them? I think it's more about examining the people that obsess over them. I think... Uh... Also, something that I had to step outside of who I am as a person and take into consideration how Lam was saying earlier, how accessible celebrities became within just the time I've been on Earth, where you can figure out when they are going to parties and you would know when their houses are empty. And I just take that for granted now. Like, of course, that makes sense. But that wasn't always the case. And now that's changed as well. And it's not something that's publicly available, likely because of these kind of situations. Blaze, you're going to say something? Yeah, no, I actually, I think you put up a really good point. So do you think that uh, Paris Hilton and Cameron Diaz were maybe intentionally put in the movie to show how accessible they were at the time? Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, love, I love Paris Hilton uh, because <laughs> of things that she does like this. Like, she knows what she's doing, and I'm sure that, that, I don't know this for a fact, but it's probably her actual house that they're running around in. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. They so shot on, like, location in a lot of those houses. So that's Actually, so, um, so cool of her to do that, to be in the movie, being somebody who was a victim of these things. She's like, yeah, sure, I'll be in the movie. It's fine, whatever. Yeah, I wear a size 11 shoe. Here's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite Actually, scenes. Uh, quick. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film is they're walking up the stairs of Paris Hilton's house and they look behind them and they see all the photos of her and they're like, Jesus. And I think that's so, yeah. like yes, Paris uh, Hilton had to be like, well, that's what my house looks like because I'm proud of myself. A fun add-on, I, I listened to an interview with Paris Hilton where she talks about this whole thing and she basically agreed to it because of her respect for Sofia Coppola as a person. She basically straight up says, anybody else asks me to do this and I tell them flat out no. But because it was her and because she'd already respected her work, she was like, hell yeah, come on in, see my house, do all of these things. And it was incredibly critical to the film. If you don't have that, this film really doesn't get made. Do you know what's, yeah, you know what's really funny about it. that? Is I watched this uh, with my girlfriend on Saturday. And I told her when they were in the, uh, the room with all the pictures of her and like the strip pole. And I said, do you know how I know that was filmed at Paris Hilton's house? Because where else could you get a disco ball in a fireplace? <laughs> That's like the only thing that like stuck out like really hard for me. So, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and good on good on Paris for being like Kelly alluded to. Uh, you know, uh, vulnerable and ability to just kind of just yeah. 
put herself out there and just be like, yeah, this is what happened. Like, I'm a normal person. Stealing from me is just as wrong as stealing from your neighbor. Like, come on. I disagree with that, um, but. Oh, well, you know, I we think... can get into the morality of stealing and regarding of who it belongs to and who it doesn't. But Eat this the is a movie review. Eat the rich. Ah, <laughs> rod from the rich and feed to the poor. Now, that does actually bring up a point to the movie that I do want to discuss. There were points in the film where they briefly showed scenes of them trying to pawn off mm. these items. But it was so brief that it felt left me confused as a viewer. Like, wait, did I just view? And the only reason that I knew that's what they were going for is because I had done previous research on this case and read that that's what some of the actual suspects were doing with that. Do you feel that they needed to do a better job of kind of flushing out what do you do after you steal $3 million worth of stuff from these celebrities? Lamb? I thought we got the one very good scene where they're pawning off the watches that were stolen. And then after that, I really didn't care to examine any other item. Like I'm, I was very, the premise of that these children are robbing from celebrities because they care about their, their fashion and just the style icons that they are made so much sense to me as a premise. And I thought it was weird even that they included it because it felt like such a fill scene. Like, you don't need it to establish the story. Like, the goods are there, and either you keep them or you sell them, and certainly somebody will buy them. Eric, same question. Were the the movement of the goods a critical part of this film for you? Yeah, see, that's one of the things that I wish they delved deeper into, because I wrote down as a note, like, in the middle of this, like, who are they selling all this shit to? Uh, and, I mean, like, I, I so I didn't look up in real life. Were they able to sell a lot of this stuff successfully? Because if they did, it would have opened up this world of a much deeper, like, darker criminal underbelly of Los Angeles, which I would have liked to be explored at least a little bit more on base surface. I don't think should have been the whole point of the film, like, following these goods to where they ended up or anything. But I do right. think that they should have at least shown where a lot of these uh, goods ended up. Well, as we remember, the two individuals that they were selling to, the nightclub owner mm -hmm. and I feel like one of the other ones, they were actually indicted with all the rest of them okay. in this whole process. The scene that got me the most, though, was the $5,000 offer, like we were talking about for the Rolexes, that end up mm -hmm. being worth closer to half a million dollars, which is just insanity to me. But it also shows the reality that these kids were so ignorant, right? That yeah. They had absolutely no idea what they were doing. They had no clue what they were getting themselves into. And it's just like anything else. Once you try a little bit and it tastes real good, you want more of it, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just spirals and well, goes and then, on from there. And then, yeah, to, uh, echo, Go ahead, Blaise. to echo what Eric said, um, you know, I wish there would have been more scenes like that. To, I, I wish that Rolex scene would have been more towards the beginning to show how, like, inexperienced they were and how they didn't know what the value of anything was. And that, you know, maybe towards the end of the movie... They're like haggling with them more, you know, like, oh no, that that's a fifty thousand dollar watch. That's worth at least twenty, like, you know, black market, da da da. But they never really like earn that. So yeah, Eric. Sure. Uh so yeah, like I was just thinking like uh a good example of this is like Breaking Bad, where he's like, Okay, I'm a m I'm a high school chemistry teacher who wants to sell meth. How do I do it? And then there's this like, you know, large exploration of how he actually ends up doing it. And yeah, again, like I, I don't think that needs to be the point of the film, but uh, I, I think that exploring it would have added a le level in of interest onto the film. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that if you look past some of those other themes, we kind of can hone in on, on where we're going with this. Uh, is there anybody else who wanted to add in any of that? Otherwise, I'm going to bring up what Eric had mentioned earlier. Kind of we talked about some verbatim incidences where the movie mirrors real life. 
And there was a cool example of that that maybe some of our viewers may not have caught, or even some of you guys. But when Nick Prugo's character, um, I think Mark in this case, was smoking the bowl in front of the black and white screen with the laptop, he was just kind of dancing around. That's a parody of a real-life situation where he was filming himself on a stolen laptop, tried to wipe said laptop, uh, Googled how to wipe said laptop, um, and the authorities found that pretty much that exact video of him dancing around and smoking bowls. Mm-hmm. Is there any other examples that you guys maybe have noticed in some of the research that you've done afterwards or some of the other comparisons to real life where a movie, when they claim that it is based on real events, has to have some sort of proof of that, some have to some sort of claim on that. So let's talk about the realism of the movie and how it kind of called on to some actual things without being an actual biography. Uh, Kelly, you first. It was, I, I'm so sorry, I forget all the characters' names except Nikki, <laughs> but our main ringleader from the beginning, she was Rachel. caught. Yeah, so she did idolize Oh, Rebecca. Rachel Rebecca. is her actual, actual real-life name. Yeah, name. Rebecca is yes. her character name. Sorry. So Sorry. Rachel Rebecca, um, she in real life was very into Lindsay Lohan style, and that was the one that got her caught in the end for taking, I believe it was her jacket she was caught with at her dad's place. Um, but that really happened, and I thought that that was fascinating, especially because it's hinted so early that Lindsay Lohan's like, her like that's my big get that's what i've got to that's my my white whale that's a white whale yep <laughs> exactly there you go so that that's that was, that's cool that that's exactly what happened it's cool that they alluded that that would be kind of what took her down um and eric and i both laughed very hard when she was getting interrogated by the police and she's like have you talked to all the celebrities and they're like we've talked to all of them and she goes what did Lindsay say yeah. and what yeah well done. which is yeah, absolutely. Which just brings us back to that whole idea, right? That it's all about this celebrity obsession and this idea of what they will think and the impression that they will have. Land, did you want to add anything on about the realism of this film between, you know, the blending of fiction and, and fantasy or fiction in real life? Yeah, I guess it's always, I think personally, I would have such a hard time to write a character that felt so delusional like this and to be able to cast and act that way just on a standpoint of trying to make the film because it is like a sort of wild series of events to be so disconnected from reality that you would be willing to pull off such large heists like this. So I didn't feel like the, I I felt like none of the acting was awful in any way, but it never felt very genuine because one of the things I guess I felt about the actors is none of them felt like underprivileged kids. They all felt like actors playing underprivileged kids and just intrinsically lacking that knowledge of what it's like to be in that situation you know absolutely blaze anything else you want to add on the realism of this film yeah actually i'd like uh this is something eric said way back in the beginning of the podcast um where he said that uh the camera wasn't as you know as crisp as he would have liked it i think that was almost done on purpose because i did watch again like i said the uh first episode of the reality tv show and going back on it, like all those slow mo shots and, you know, catchy pop tunes and stuff like that, it kind of like it was almost reminiscent to like an E show or a TLC show about these kids, you know? So I think there was realism involved in how the cameras were worked. There was a lot of like low angles, um, you know, off to the side of the properties, like they would do an establishing shot in, you know, the Real Housewives of Miami or whatever. 
So I do think there was uh like they were trying to get that that vibe from it because that's the only thing that I could feel like why the actors as Lamb said just felt so disingenuine. It almost felt like they were acting while acting. Um, so I think I wonder if that was like kind of part of it um, as far as you know the whole presentation of it all. Fair enough. Well, as we work towards the end of this film. I have a couple rapid-fire questions that I want to hit with you guys, just quick, off-the-cuff reactions and responses, and we'll kind of uh, work towards our final reviews and a conclusion. So, Eric, what did you enjoy most about this film? Uh, so, okay, there were definitely points where I actually laughed. Uh, it was some of the like late 2008-2009 lingo, like party salad and lates. And then I, you know, the girls singing in the car, uh, live fast, die young, band girls do it well. And then she got hit by the car and got a DUI. That was kind of funny. Uh, and that was Chloe that did that. And there were random points of the script that I was actually laughing. Um, and that's probably why it did keep me engaged at a base level. It did keep disappointing me throughout the film, but I think the script actually had some funny parts to it. So that probably was my, my favorite part. Excellent. Blaze, what's your favorite part of this film? Uh, again, I really liked the opening sequence um, before they told us that, it, like, you know, before they established that it already happened. Uh, that opening sequence was very well done. I feel like uh, that was the most, the best the camera was and the best the music was. And it kind of just all combined into a perfect crescendo of, like, what the movie wanted to be about. So, I, like I said, it kind of let me down from there. Uh, I love Leslie Mann as as an actress. Uh, I thought she did really well. But um, as far as anything that actually stands out, like as the best part, I would definitely have to say the opening of the film. Awesome. Lamb, what do you think? What's your favorite part? I was so excited to see all the clothes. It's sort of the focal driving point of the entire movie is the theft of clothes and all of the outfits that I got to see in the movie. I actually, I noticed right in the beginning credits, there was costume designer and the costume designer that was billed. And I was like, I want to pay attention to that. And I'm so glad I did. Cause I thought the wardrobe was like really spot on. I liked a lot of the pieces that they showed. Fantastic. Kelly, what do you think? Agreed with clothes. Uh, in Paris Hilton's house, of course, ma- major highlight. So cool. I'm obsessed with celebrities. Have I ever told you guys that? I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, this is actually, you know, news. <laughs> um, and then the, the, like, what I call, like, the dollhouse scene of them doing the quick, when it becomes, like, a job where they're, like, casing out the joint. They're getting out of there as fast yeah. as possible. As well as a scene that really stood out to me was uh, when uh, Chloe's eating breakfast and the cop car siren gets closer and closer, and the dogs start barking, and the family starts to shift and move, and you're kind of doing it with that. I felt very immersed in the film, in that scene specifically. It really stood out. Awesome. And now in reverse order, Kelly, what did you enjoy the least? Probably long pieces of the film that seemed to be without reason. Lamb kind of touched on just long music for a very for a long time <laughs> keep using the word long um as well as sometimes they were in the house for so long that i was like all right like i'm not even i'm not even nervous for you guys i just kind of want to see what's going to happen next and i do think it started with opening like a tv movie it felt like gossip girl at the start and i was like is this going to turn into something 
a little deeper or where are we headed with this? So just kind of moments where, as I've been saying, it's a safe movie. There's nothing that I was like, ugh, hate this, but more just, okay, now what? Awesome. Lamb, what do you think? What was the thing that you enjoyed the least about this film? I I thought the I thought most of the movie was watchable, but I felt the end, most of the sequence where um, Emma Watson's character, whose name I forget, does the interview. I thought that scene was so painfully long and drawn out and meant to make a point, but just so it was an enjoyable to watch make the point. Like we we reestablished character dynamics between two characters that we've already known the entire movie. So I think like that was it. Cause that was our, that was like 10 or 15 minutes, not like 10 or 15 minutes, but certainly a long portion of the end of our movie was watching an interview that I really had no care for after already knowing all the characters. But I think additionally, just my least favorite part is that the crime stressed me out too much, you know? Uh, yeah, I, uh, have to agree with Kelly. Uh, I think there's too much fluff in this movie. Um, but my biggest, uh, my biggest gripe with this movie, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I just didn't feel like there was like, even though like the characters were barely there, I didn't see any character progression. You guys say the lead male, like, you know, he started this sweet, innocent guy, went to the bad road, and then he ended up sweet and innocent at the end. All these girls started, like, horrible and superficial, and they ended horrible and superficial. You know, it was very monotone, very boring at times, um, and I just feel like, uh, like, we, we beat this like a drum already, but there were just, like, not scenes themselves, but, like, the length of scenes that just seemed to drag on forever, and that really... Uh, took me out of the movie at at times and i I wish i would have taken lamb's advice and just like skip 90 seconds sometimes so yeah excellent eric anything you want to add on to that what was the least favorite thing for you i mean it was yeah pretty much stuff that i've said earlier like i i wish they dug deeper into some of these themes and i wish they actually stayed more true to the real story and I wish they actually did, like, character studies of uh, these characters, because I feel like in real life they would be interesting characters to dig into, uh, but they really, like, made a Hollywood uh, neat version of what the actual crimes were. And as we get towards the final conclusion here, I suppose I'll give my opinion on this whole spiel. <laughs> this movie was very less about the characters and very more about the story itself. I do feel that Sofia Coppola took on this project because she had a direct relationship and investment on the people that were involved and wanted to share her opinion on it for one way or another, whether it was the commentary on those people stealing being the idea that celebrities are people too, so don't try to take advantage of it, or the commentary on the idea that you have so many shoes that you don't notice that they're being gone. Uh, I do think that the movie was shot fairly well. Uh, it did not keep me engaged, mostly because I knew exactly what the story was going. And I'll be the first to give my rating as I segue the rest of you into your ratings. I give this film a A24 flat C. C24. Uh, it didn't do any... <laughs> C24, yeah, sorry. C24. C24. Um, it didn't do anything for me positively. It didn't do anything for me really negatively. It was just kind of there. Uh, and I am okay with it. You know, it was what it was, and I've become more uh, accepting of it as the discussion we've had has continued, which is always good to see a different perspective of a movie and from other people who have seen it. So I guess we'll go ahead and start with Eric. Go ahead with your final rating on The Bling Ring. (laughs) 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to give this a D24. It was uh, actually not as good as Spring Breakers, in my opinion, but better than Charles Swan. I, I think that it was pretty bad casting, uh, bad acting. It should have touched deeper on all the psychological and sociological reasons that these crimes happened. I actually would have liked it if the cinematography and the camera quality was just a little more high quality and a little bit more stylistic. And I, I think that, you know, this uh, Sofia Coppola was given this very, like, interesting story, and she kind of just did not dig deep enough into the story to really make this a quality film. So that is the reason for why I give it a D24. Kelly? It is a C minus 24 from me. It's a lot of what the two of you said. Um, I'm okay with the material. I like the actors. I think the acting's great. But it is playing too safe, leaning towards boring, but it wasn't awful. And I won't watch it again. But I would recommend it to the right kind of person. All right. Sounds good. Blaze, what do you think, bud? Yeah, Um. so... I'm so glad Eric said that, by the way. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah, this, you know what? It's so funny because I was really waiting to bring up Spring Breakers until the end. Um, this film reminds me of where you guys were saying that Spring Breakers was all the style, none of the substance. At the end of the day, this movie had none of the style and none of the substance. It all wanted to say the same provocative thing, but it fell flat at every corner. Like I said, there's too much fluffer. We could go back and say everything that I already said about it. Uh, the acting was uninspiring. Emma Watson is not a method actress. Um, she's more of a character actress. So her decision to be in this film uh, from an actor standpoint does not make a lot of sense. Uh, it wasn't funny. It wasn't intriguing. The music was great. Cinematography, terrible. I'm going to give it uh, E24. E+. E+. Plus. E+. Plus. <laughs> I'm not even sure that's allowed, but that's allowed. hey, if we established your opinion. We established we that right, we're Lamb. going A through F, so. We, All right, we can, fair enough. Yeah, we can give E's. Lamb, take us home. What do you think, buddy? Solid E24 on my rating. I didn't have an extreme amount of fun. I don't think I'd ever care to watch it again. I don't think I'd recommend it to a friend. Concise and to the point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, in summation... It was a movie, it happened, it represented a period of time, and we're looking forward to the next one. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time I do. On I want to add one on last thing. Um, oh, yeah. oh, please. When you kept on saying uh, burgle, I don't know why, I just kept on thinking burgle. turd yeah. burglar. I, just sure. keep, I always sure. think turd burglar when I hear the word turd uh, burgle. Burgle.